0: Matters of the mind. Are you looking for answers, ideas, or just want someone to listen to you so you can vent? Join Dr. Peter Sacco as he discusses what matters most issues that surround the mind. He gets to the heart of the matter when it comes to issues involving anger, depression, addictions, fear, anxiety, relationships, sex, abuse, bullying, and everything concerning you. And now here's your host, Dr. Peter Sacco.
1: Welcome to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. That would be myself, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco, and my co-host and producer, Todd Miller. And welcome, everybody, especially to Todd. It is Back to the Future Day officially.
0: It is. I've been seeing a lot of posts going around. And, uh, you know, apparently the, the overriding theme is that as of, I think, tomorrow, everything that happened in Back to the Future will be in the past. So it's throwing a lot of people for a bit of a loop.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely a really cool time. Or really, I'm a I am I am a self-professed uh, Back to the Future junkie. Absolutely love Michael J. Fox. Actually, that is one of the greatest, I think, most influential movies of all time.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think I saw it in part two, and uh, I may have seen three. I don't know if there was a four, but um, I think third. The third one was the, the Western one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, ZZ Top shows up in it.
0: Oh, wow, well, well, I'll have to go watch it again. But, yeah, I mean, one was just out of this world, just jumping back and forth. And some of the technologies, harnessing lightning, I mean, just amazing, amazing stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And for those that are on my Facebook page, check it out. I put 10 absolute things that Back to the Future showed back in the day that would possibly happen in the future have come. Technological advances, that is, folks... And you know it's a great movie when you got world leaders using quotes from the movie. And the reason I'm leading into that is got a tremendous guest today. Her name is Dr. Pendred Noyce, who is very much into science and science fiction and teaching young minds today all about what science is about and possibilities in terms of possibility thinking.
0: Yeah, I was doing a bit of research before uh, obviously speaking to her and and, and an incredible book about women in science and, and medicine over the years, um, and I still think that women get short shrift sometimes. And you know, I'm sure a lot of women listening will say, "No, it's not just sometimes, Todd. It's, it's more than that." Um, we don't seem to regard their achievements or give them easy pathways to succeed. And I think a book like this that she's published will really open the um, Floodgates and start some discussion about ways that we can make things easier and more acceptable for acceptable for women to um, do greatness.
1: I agree, and I think um, you know she does open a tremendous floodgate of, as I say, possibility thinking. Because I know back in my day, in schools, especially elementary school, all the way into um, high school girls were just not encouraged to get into life science uh, core matter courses and that kind of stuff and I remember seeing it even in my first year of university when I was going in to be a lawyer of all things where I was taking economics courses, um, business courses and you know we'd have 600 students in my course and it'd be like 500 and something guys. Yeah and um, even in some of the science courses i had taken as electives five hundred and something guys and then you go into the you know the social sciences like psychology which i would eventually obviously transfer into sociology all girls and i think today todd what you're seeing is now um, a split where more women <clears throat> which is i think is awesome are getting into medicine and getting into traditional male roles and a lot of guys are getting into the traditional female roles so we have an androgynous society folks
0: you know, it's only been a couple of generations where things have radically shifted. Uh, my mother's best friend was the first woman to take shop in North York, if not Toronto, proper. Um, back in, I won't say when, but it was a while ago, and she was the first woman to take it. And there were a lot of eyebrows raised, like, oh, women can't take shop. They should be in the baking class. Uh, and, you know, I took typing because I figured, I saw that there was, there was something in it for me in terms of a skill that would... Who knew computers were going to be coming? I mean, at that time, we were using computers with punch cards. But who knew you'd be entering information with a keyboard, so it came in handy. But the other side of it was, you know, you're right about the the gender uh, gap because it was uh, 98% women and two guys. So it worked out well in other ways. But, you know, things have really, really changed. And we have male nurses. Now, no one even blinks at a male nurse. You know, 20 years ago, you would say nurse and you expected a woman to show up. And then when a guy showed up, you went, you're not a nurse, aren't you a doctor?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like that episode of Seinfeld where George is waiting for the sponge bath sort of deal and it's a male nurse and he's kind of like, oh dear, <laughs> wasn't expecting that and I like how Seinfeld used. And Seinfeld, actually, I'm going to put a plug out there for Seinfeld as they did did and still love the show. They were one of these shows that actually did break the barriers and show um, opposite roles, you know, women in traditional men's roles and vice versa. And I, you know what? I People like um, Dr. Noyce and those that are out there, I consider you know, um, modern day um, paths you know, uh, finders, or if you want to call them, clearing the path, where they're uh, bringing new ideas and insights for today's youth, uh, kids, especially um, university and college students. Uh, a lot of them today, Todd, are lost. They have no idea. Like, hey, what do I want to be when I grow up? And a lot of them, you know, they still have parents from the generation past that is like, okay, this is what a guy's role is and a female's role. And thank gosh that this that's finally, you know. Dropping by the wayside.
0: Well, here's something interesting that just popped up. I'm looking at um, uh, Pendrid's doctor or Pendrid's book, book on um, Amazon, and it's got this wonderful title, "Magnificent Minds: 16, Pioneer, Sixteen Pioneering Women in Science and Medicine." Great, great stuff. Reading about some of the inspirational stuff. Underneath it says you know, frequently bought together. And it's got a book called Anna and Elsa books one to six about princess Anna, Queen Elsa and Olaf, the Snowman from obviously frozen. I mean, if that doesn't just, you know, change that there's some algorithm in Amazon, that says, Oh, somebody's reading a book about women. What have we got around in our catalog? That's about women. Well, we got this great stuff about being a princess. So instead of, you know, su- suggesting a book about a, a famous woman biography, they've suggested something that is enhancing and enforcing the stereotypes that women deal with, that they need to be princesses.
1: It, it really, you know what, Todd? I find it kind of, I still kind of find it interesting that the women's movement has come so, so, so far. And I'd like to say the same thing with the men's movement in terms of Acceptability where anybody can be anything they want nowadays when they grow up. And I, I don't understand this, uh, still the stigma. And it's not a stigma, but it's a self perpetuated and created thing majigger. Where, and I hear, I've heard students bring this up to me to talk about it. I've heard people at the coffee shop where there's still, I, you know, I'll hear, I hear a girl say, I want to be treated like a princess. <laughs> and, um, and then the other way where i've heard some women say well i just can't do that because that is just not in the cards for a woman in today's society or it would be heavily shunned." and these are young ones that are speaking about this and i wonder if you know when do you finally break the stigma and don't even get me started on you know gangster rap and all that kind of stuff where some people would say that is just you know its own little thing that In a bad way, negative way, that conditions people to still believe inaccuracies about how life is about.
0: I think there's probably a lot of young women today that are um, hypersensitive to the princess syndrome. So while they may want to be pampered once in a while, they want to be treated like a woman and allow a man to open the door and pay for dinner and things like that. I bet you there's a lot of societal pressure on young women to to say, no, (laughs) thanks, man, I'm doing it on my own. I am a woman, hear me roar. You know, I think there's probably a lot of pressure. I'm just guessing. But from what I see in limited interactions with young women, there's a pressure for them to be self-sufficient and not rely on a guy and wait for their prince to rescue them these days.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that whole stigma kind of went away with pretty woman. Um, that and that was a that was a really intriguing notion back when that Gary the Gary Marshall came up and a, a good friend of mine who's recently passed on a few years ago Joe Mayer he was uh, supervising ADR in that movie and I remember talking to Joe about that where basically that movie did a couple things um, in terms of create this message of hope uh, but sometimes it's you're waiting for your knight in shining armor to come along when you maybe you know not your own female version of a knight in shining armor and you just have to go out and conquer what it is most you want in your life
0: yeah and i know there's people that just get hung up on the theme of that movie that she's a prostitute it's like people get over it there's a there's a whole story underneath that that's just the veneer there's the whole um you know underpinnings of what makes her as a woman and what drives her that is the story and that's really the lesson that you need to take away from that not that she's just a uh, an escort
1: absolutely and it's all about you know living dreams at the end and you know we're not saying that the dream in that movie is to be a prostitute but rather to get out of it and to do something bigger and better in your life if you really do believe in yourself anything is possible and when we return we are going to have Dr. Pendred Noise a very uh interesting person very insightful person and a very educational person talking about science Um, talking about education and talking about women and their ability to achieve and believe in anything that they want to be and go forward.
0: Very cool. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio, worldwide at talk-radio.ca. And, of course, we're podcasts, so you don't have to miss us. The music
2: you'll hear on Out of the Blue will be jazz for the most part. No specific styles or genres. Every piece of music is handpicked to deliver quality performances. Out of the Blue can be heard on rtds.ca, live Mondays, 1 to 3 p.m., and encore performances Tuesday to Friday, anytime on demand. It's the true spirit of jazz, a touch of everything and then some.
0: Thanks for listening.
2: I'm Larry Green.
1: Peter Andrew Sacco and do you have technological rage oh yeah the new rage of anger download my new book today technological rage on my website www.petersacco.com and learn what technological rage is and how it is sweeping people today leading to online dating anger texting anger and social online networking forums hmm did you ever think you might get angry texting Facebooking or online dating? Maybe you never thought it would happen to you or maybe you know somebody that has this and you just need to understand it a little more. Johnny, show me that you really care me.
0: Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with your host Dr. Peter Sacco.
1: And welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. And once again, folks, thank you for the awesome emails, Facebook messages, tweets. Keep them all coming. We're always looking for new and fun ideas for our show. And as I said, since today is officially Back to the Future Day, the 21st of October. Who better than to have a mind, a beautiful mind of science, joining us, Dr. Pendred Noyce, who likes to be referred as Penny, and who's going to discuss her wonderful, awesome book, Remarkable Minds. And with Penny, uh, she's written about women in science, uh, a great way of... um, how should we say, recreating life and putting women in formerly non-traditional roles and creating traditional roles for everybody across the board. And this book is a wonderful, inspirational book to all girls and young women considering a life in the sciences. The book is Remarkable Minds, Women's History. It's a nonfiction, and it is great for middle-grade kids. So, welcome to the show, Penny. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Thanks very much for having me. So we're getting you, actually you're on the East Coast time like us, you're out in Boston, correct? That's right. So how's the weather out your way today?
2: Uh, Today it's cool and cloudy, but not dramatic. Oh, it's raining a little bit off and on.
0: Just about the same we've got here.
1: So, Penny, I guess the very first place I would like to start out is um, your background. What is your background specifically? And what got you into science?
2: Well, I grew up uh, thinking I wanted to be an author. Um, But when I was in late high school, I had a lot of trouble with uh, asthma and spent a lot of time in Children's Hospital at Stanford. And I became very interested in medicine. So I actually uh, majored in biochemistry and then went to Stanford Medical School and became a medical doctor in general, internal medicine. Uh, I practiced in Boston for several years, but then uh, after my fifth child was born, I stopped out. At that time, I was working with a family foundation established after my father's death on math and science education across uh, the United States. My father, Robert Noyce, was one of the inventors of the silicon chip, The integrated circuit and one of the founders of intel so um the family wanted to carry on his legacy by helping more kids enter math and science as fields or really get excited about science and engineering and i i've done that work for the last 25 years Uh, i i've also been very active in math and science education in massachusetts where i live but about nine years ago as some of as my older children were going off to college i felt that I needed something for myself, so I decided to return to my own old love of writing, and I began writing books for kids, for young people. Uh, and the most recent two books are these two books about women in science, Magnificent Minds and Remarkable Minds. Those are nonfiction. Uh, the other seven or so books I've written have been fiction.
1: One of the things I want to ask you, I guess, Penny, Todd and I were talking about it at the start of the show, um, we discussed uh, how when he and I went to, you know, not only um, secondary school, but even elementary school and then myself, you know, even us going into university and that sort of stuff, that there was a stigma back in the day. Um, and not only a stigma, but rather, you know, women were just kind of not even laughed at, but also shunned if They said, hey, I want to be a doctor when I grow up. I want to be a dentist or I want to be yeah. a lawyer. So as you were going through it, did you experience that yourself? And did that inspire you, you know, to write this, uh, these wonderful books for kids?
2: Well, it's interesting that e- even at the time that I myself decided I wanted to go into medicine, I found for myself the idea of having a woman doctor sort of foreign. Far uh, I preferred having a male doctor, and I, and I really reflected on what that said about me and about the way I had been brought up and and my surroundings. Um, by the time I went to medical school, about 30% of the class was women. Now it's very close to 50% across the board, but in the upper levels of academic medicine, um, men still predominate. Um, I, I see this as a time when uh, many, many opportunities are open to women. The barriers that they face are mostly sort of psychological and social, as you said, there are issues like, uh, um, in middle school, are girls supposed to be smart or are they supposed to be pretty? And, um, uh, And then sort of unconscious biases that continue, perhaps most in the harder sciences like mathematics and physics. But by writing the book, I wanted partly to show young girls that in the past women have overcome far greater barriers, real institutional barriers, times when women weren't allowed to go to college, times when women had to have the permission from their father to leave the country, and they still managed to overcome these kinds of barriers to pursue the lives that they wanted, the intellectual lives that they wanted. So part of the message here is You really can do it if you want to. Uh, There are going to be some barriers, but they are barriers that can be overcome and that your sisters and mothers have overcome before you.
0: And that's really the thing. It's, It's the awareness that there have been these pioneers before. And as Dr. Sacco and I were talking about before we started the segment with you, one of the other things we touched upon was there was... Some women that that really like the, the princess aspect of life, where everything is taken care of, and um, you know they don't have to worry about where they're going in life. And I personally, this is just my opinion. I think it's a it's an offshoot of parenting, where you're not really having those deep discussions with your daughter and saying, "What is it you'd like to do?" And did you know that this great woman did that, and this great woman achieved this? And I think for another segment of the female population these days, they're very conflicted because they come from this lineage where oh, grandma raised 16 kids and put dinner on the table every night. And that, she was happy with that. That's what she was happy with. I'm sure there's a lot of women that feel incredible pressure and torn. Do I do what grandma did or do I do what Roberta Bondar did?
2: Yes. I think, uh, I, I think that's, that's true. And, um, you know, the women The women in these two books really do represent some of that range. One thing that I found in looking at uh, 33 women from four centuries is that for most of the ones who were successful, education was very strongly encouraged in their family up to a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of the earliest women were, were women were educated at home by their fathers, some of whom took real pride in having daughters who were maybe prodigies in the sciences. Wow. Uh, and and in other families, they were educated. For example, Florence Nightingale, father educated her. She got up at 4 o'clock in the morning to study her Greek. But the expectation was that in the end, she would just be a gentlewoman, uh, marry, uh, run her household and her estate, hmm. and she was so frustrated and depressed by the fact that she had these skills and these passions that that society didn't make place for. So sometimes they they were educated up to a certain point and then stopped. Um, And some of these women were uh, criticized. Maria Kunitz, who was an an astronomer in the uh, 17th century, uh, her first biographer wrote about her, that she would sleep all day and watch the stars all night and the implication was she wasn't a very good housewife. So I'll just tell you about myself. As I grew up, I knew I wasn't going to be a good housewife. One of the reasons I chose a demanding profession was so that I wouldn't be expected to also be a good housewife.
0: You
1: had a note. You had an out. That's
2: another app. yes.
1: <laughs> I guess the thing is, Penny, is where then... Because somebody had asked me this uh, about a week ago, and I thought this would be a great question to ask a future guest that I have on. And here you are. If it's some people, the way she had put it, and it was it was actually a a professional colleague of mine who's an attorney said there's this almost like this stigma still that if I want to be a career professional, um, that's great, but if I want to be a mother then that's great too. But sometimes you can't be both because if you're the mom and you're in a high, you know, a high profile, high brow professional career, then can you really give that 100% of your time? And conversely, if you're the mom, can you give that role 100% of the you know, of your attention? So I'm guessing at which point because it was really funny because I heard a fellow uh, say this a while back and you know, very misguided individuals saying well if a woman goes and has a career she's being a very selfish individual because she's not fulfilling her roles in society as a mother as a wife and all that kind of stuff and it was like you know what dude get your you know head out of the BC times you know the primitive times there like caveman times because things have really changed and people have to aspire to way more so how would you I guess address that is there a fine line and what is that fine line?
2: Um, you know I think there I think there is a line um, one thing that one thing that I was interested in looking at with these women a couple things, one was how did social class impact what they were able to do, second did they marry and have children Um, and um, about two thirds of them married most of them had children Um, early on most of the women who became scientists in the 1700s or the 1800s were from a higher social class where, in fact, they didn't have to earn a living uh, in their profession. So these, some of them were, there were French noble women who were uh, doing some physics or chemistry on the side, and they were incredibly smart and started to publish. But uh, even early on, there were some women who managed to... Uh, make a living doing doing what they did. One of my favorites early in is Laura Bassi, who became the first chair of experimental physics at the University of Bologna. Um, and at the time of her death was the highest paid faculty member at that Italian university. Uh, this was in the time of Benjamin Franklin. But she also had nine or maybe 12 children. So, uh, she, the, the second key thing that I found, and I tell, tell young women when I speak to them, is it's really, really important to marry the right person if you're going to be a scientist. Uh, many of the women married fellow scientists, some of them married collaborators, but all of them, all of these successful women married men who believed in their profession and were proud of what their wives were doing. Uh, and that's really incredibly important to the man you mentioned who said women are neglecting their uh, duty as mothers, I would say, what about your duty as a father? What about your duty as a partner? Uh, allowing your, your partner to fulfill her potential, contribute what she can to the world at large as well as to her family. How do you help create that balance? And a woman, a young woman needs to be able to find that in a partner if, if she's going to be able to uh, do both things. The most important message to get across, I think, is that young women, you have a right to build a life that is fulfilling for you emotionally and intellectually, and intellectually and some, uh, some of the emotion emotional richness can come from your career. Some of it uh, is likely to come from your family, your intimate relations, your friends, and in many cases, your children. And there are many ways to manage this. Nobody is ever going to feel as if they did it perfectly. But, but don't be afraid to find your own way through that maze.
1: Couldn't have said it any better, Penny. That is well said. Uh, as we go to our, to our break, and what's really interesting, too, just before us, I want to leave on one uh, little tidbit of, like, wow, absolutely, that's interesting. Back in our day, Todd, If you were into computers, you were a real geeky nerd, an outcast. But today, if you're a guy into computers, you are a cool nerd.
0: (laughs) I guess, yeah. And and women are really getting into computers and gaming. And I have one Facebook friend that's huge into gaming and and political science. And, um, you know, so... The tables are turning and and the the equation is becoming more balanced, but I still think we have some work to do. And uh, today's guest is really helping us spread the word about what still needs to be done.
1: So we'll be right back with more from Dr. Penny Noyce. When we return, and we talk about our books, and they are great books, folks. Stay tuned.
0: You're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio worldwide at talk-radio.ca. Buying or selling a home, condo, or investment property may be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. It's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Team with Keller Williams Real Estate Service at 416-230-8500 or visit www.realestatetoronto.com. Whether you're making your first move or selling your much-loved family home, the Mulholland Ross Team offers over 26 years of real estate sales and service across the gta listen every sunday at 4 p.m here on radio that doesn't suck to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate questions or topics you'd like to see covered email info at realestatetoronto.com or call the mulholland ross team at 416-230-8500
1: Welcome to my new book, Niagara's Most Haunted, Legends and Myths, which is not just a book about ghosts and haunted places, rather about history in the Niagara region. This book explores and uncovers parts of the Niagara region which are considered some of the richest in North American history and the most haunted. As a matter of fact, one of the bloodiest battles in North American history, the War of 1812, between the British and the Americans was fought here. And this year, the bicentennial year anniversary of the War of 1812, is covered in this book. This book explores most of the haunted places, legends that have existed from the 1800s right now to 2012. Each chapter covers a different type of landmark, which not only educates readers on historical significances, but also entertains with anecdotal ghost stories and paranormal investigations. Join me in this book as we visit beds and breakfasts, ships and boats, trains, tunnels, museums, mansions, highways, forts, cemeteries, waterfalls, and many more, and see if the Niagara Region is really haunted. Niagara's most haunted legends and myths is now available at Indigo Chapters and online on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And visit our website www.Niagara'sMostHaunted.com. Be afraid. Be very afraid.
0: Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Hey!
1: Welcome back to Matters of the Mind folks, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every weekend. What matters most today is Dr. Pendred Noyes, she likes to be called Benny. She is from Boston where her and her husband Leo live and Penny is the author and co-author of eight novels for children including Lost in Lexicon and The Ice Castle from Scarletta Press and six books in the Galactic Academy of Science series and what's really really good is that she's got a very uh, cool line of new books out which encourage kids especially girls to get into science, stay in science, pursue their dreams, pursue their careers because hey your dream is what you are inside and why not fulfill it. So Penny let's talk about your newest and latest book.
2: Sure Uh, Remarkable Minds follows a previous book, Magnificent Minds. Remarkable Minds tells about 17 more uh, pioneering women in science and medicine, and it covers women in seven countries and uh, three centuries, including five Nobel Prize winning women. Uh, These are women who work in chemistry, astronomy, mathematics, medical sciences, and physics. and the book the two books actually grew out of uh, an exhibition at the Grolier Club, which is a bibliophiles club in New York. Uh, three curators there spent two years pulling together artifacts from uh, women scientists over four centuries and brought them together for an exhibition which they would they would give tours to visiting school groups, etc. And toward the end of their exhibition, they decided they would really like the books made into some, that the exhibition made into a book for children, and they came to me, uh, and eventually out of that grew these two books.
1: Now, the, the, I guess the the, the predecessor to was Magnificent Mind, 16 Pioneering Women in Science and Medicine. So when you came out with that book, how was that received? And I guess uh, a part two to that question, Penny, that, I've been thinking about since we we got you on the, our show here. If you can answer, in in your humble opinion, who would you consider um, throughout the centuries the greatest female uh, scientist? Oh wow, that's a that's a tough one.
2: Um, I, the, the
1: people people who have seen
2: Magnificent Minds really like it. Uh, they like the way the book is laid out. Uh, I just want to say a little about how I've tried to make these two books friendly to readers. Um, there's uh, an introduction that kind of ties it together, but each there are the books are are full of illustrations. Every two page spread almost has one or two illustrations. that are pull out quotes from the women so that you get a chance to hear their own voices. And each, chapter has a timeline at the beginning. I don't know about other people. I actually heard heard this also from a dean of students at Harvard Medical School, but I have a hard time keeping dates in my head, so it was very helpful me, to me to put out a timeline that connected these women's lives to other important things that were going on in history and art at the same time. And then in each chapter, there's kind of a pullout description of one Bit of high historical context and one bit of scientific context. So I've tried to make the book really friendly to dip into, not, necessar- not necessarily to have to read beginning to end, but to pursue one's own interest by by dipping into it. Uh, and and uh, the book had, was had a great designer Jean Aboud, who I've worked with before on Lost in Lexicon. So I think people have really liked the look of the books. Um, as far as the greatest woman scientist, I think if you, if, when I go out and talk to young girls, and I say, name a woman scientist from the past, the number one person is Marie Curie, mm. and she she uh, clearly was a great woman scientist. She um, won two Nobel prizes. She uh, pursued education at great cost to herself starting in Poland and working as a governess for several years before she had enough money to go to Paris and continue her education. Uh, She dedicated her life to science. She raised two girls as a widow. um, And uh, she established the Radium Institute in Paris that trained many women and foreigners in uh, the science of radiation. So, uh, She was also a superstar, a press darling in her time. She was really the first woman who became uh, a a hero to the public because of her scientific work. Uh, The interesting thing about her is that she suffered both sides of press attention. Some years after her husband's death, she had an affair with one of her husband's old students, uh, Pierre Langevin, and uh, who was a married man, and when this became public, the press vilified her as a foreign homebreaker, and uh, she really had a breakdown in her health a lot of depression before she was able to climb back out and continue her work as head of the radium Institute. so she kind of represents the full uh, spectrum of what can happen to a woman who who works her way to the top and into the eye of the public and becomes a celebrity uh, and then finds out how fickle uh, the affection of the public can be.
0: I like how you've combined the different quotes because if it were strictly just a book about great scientific achievements, it could be a bit of a dry read for for the intended readers. But by putting a human face on it, I think it, uh, it makes it a little warmer, I think, for people to identify with them as people and not just great scientists.
2: Yes, I agree. And uh, many of these women were very witty. And, uh, for example, Hertha Ayrton, who was the first woman electrical engineer, who befriended Marie Curie. After Pierre Curie died, uh, he was eulogized in the British press as the discoverer of radium, and uh, Hertha Ayrton wrote back to the press to say, uh, "In fact, Marie Curie was the discoverer of radium." And she wrote, um, "Lies have many lives, but uh, no lie has more lives than how did she say? A lie that attributes to a man the work of a woman has more lives than a cat."
0: <laughs> <laughs> um- I want to ask you about Remarkable Minds and Magnificent Minds. When you're looking at these great women, we all know today we have cultural sensitivity, meaning that we're aware that some cultures don't prescribe to the thought that the Western world allows women to achieve whatever they want. And there's, uh, yes, there are still some preconceived notions about what, what women should do. But how much did cultural sensitivities play into some of the women that you looked at in your books?
2: Um it, it, clearly cultural sensitivities or cultural um, expectations, usually communicated by families, were, were important. For example, Barbara McClintock, who went on to win a Nobel Prize uh, in Physiology and Medicine for her work in genetics, was told by her mother... Her mother didn't want to let her go to college because no one will marry an educated woman, mm-hmm. and this was uh, in the early 1900s. So these are really very important in terms of sort of cultural expectations. Some people have asked me, "Well, why are all the why do you only have Western women in these books? What about women from the Middle East or South America or Asia?" Uh, and uh, my answer to that is. That first of all, I was working from the uh, exhibition initially. Although I did add at least one woman. Um, the other is that I do think that some of these other um, cultures were even less accepting of women in science, but also were a little slower to adopt the the sort of Western. Uh, renaissance vision of what science is. Uh, And in fact, we've seen that very recently with the recent awarding of a Nobel Prize to a Chinese woman for her work uh, in discovering the anti-malarial drug artemisinin, which she found by going back through the traditional medicine pharmacopoeia, of uh, traditional Chinese medicine, and testing various products. And the Nobel Prize uh, awarders were very careful to say, we are not awarding this prize to traditional Chinese medicine. We're awarding it because she used the the methods of modern Western empirical experiment-based science to prove the usefulness of something mentioned in Chinese traditional medicine. So it's harder to it's harder to achieve at this highest level of science if your culture has not really moved into that that empirical um, model of how we how we do science with experimentation and discussion and testing. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons there are not more, for example, Middle Eastern women in this in these books. There aren't any. I'd like to I'd love to write another book that had women from other cultures, and I'm still looking for really uh, good, well-documented cases.
1: We only have a few minutes left, Penny, but one of the things I want to ask you is, so, because we're up here in Canada, (laughs) and uh, very, you know, kind of, as people say around the world we're a little more a liberal generation where we encourage people uh, no matter what your ethnic background or beliefs are or gender to go and pursue whatever it is that you want so do you now find that in the United States that uh, irregardless um, schools now especially parents are more open and encouraging kids to um, pursue their dreams?
2: I think so I think that um, it isn't it isn't really about ethnicity or gender so much as it may be even the economic circumstances of the parents some parents would like their children to start uh, contributing to the family economy or helping with other kids earlier some some parents are uh, nervous about their daughters especially going far away from home to school and so those those individual Family uh, concerns still come up, but I think more and more people are seeing images of women in powerful positions on television, seeing them uh, in the news. Uh, i I think that there's a real effort to make girl characters in middle school novels be strong and spunky. in fact, uh, you know if if anyone portrays a girl as not liking math, or such as when the Barbie doll several years ago said I hate math. There's a real backlash against that. So I think um, I think the cultural messages being sent to girls are are stronger. I think what's what's still difficult is that going into the sciences requires a strong mathematical background in general, and and it's hard. And at some point in middle school, a lot of kids just sort of decide, "I'm not going to do that because it's hard." And and the message that we really need to get across to people is that thinking hard can be very rewarding, and that the more you think, the more your brain grows, the smarter you get, uh, and and if you are if you have a dream and you're dedicated, uh, you will overcome these obstacles and. Uh, that one thing I would say to girls and parents is the more mathematics you learn, the more choices you have about what you can do in life. so stick with it keep at it that's that's the that's the message
0: I would like to give It's funny that's what I was going to ask you if you could distill it down your books to one final message to <laughs> convey and you did it very well uh, what's what's next for penny noise? Oh, that's a good question
2: i um I think I'm going to look at doing a series of picture books on inventors for younger book kids. That's that's what I'm considering right now. Although, as I said, if I can over time collect a set of more non-traditional women of more non-traditional background who have succeeded in science, I'd like to write a third book in the in the Minds series.
0: The books are Magnificent Mind and Remarkable Mind. You can find them on Amazon. Where can we find out more information about you? Do you have a Facebook page or a website that we can visit?
2: Um, you can find out more about me on at uh, tumblehomelearning.com, which is my publisher. And I do have an author website on there, um, but I can't remember what... Of,
0: what the <laughs> <is>. <laughs> We'll um, look okay. it up and we'll have it on our blog post later today and uh, and provide all those great links for everyone Penny Noise thank you for joining us today on Matters of the Mind. And thank you so much for having me. Stay with us more Matters of the Mind right up just around the corner on talk-radio.ca. Yeah,
1: Matters of the mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week, and what matters most each and every week to us especially is the wonderful relationship that we have with the Center for Abuse Awareness. That is abusehurts.ca. Definitely continually to check them out. They do tremendously wonderful things for the community. Um, and they're always looking for help and volunteers. And with that said, uh instead of Ellen Campbell joining us today, we've got Helena Kamika who is joining us she is the president for the Center for Abuse Awareness. Welcome to our show for the first time, Helena. Hi there. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, a couple things um we've had Ellen over the last actually few weeks on um, discussing the upcoming conference, the Men's Conference uh for abuse and in- uh-huh each and every week we want to know where it's at as we're trying to uh, get the community involved, anybody out there still looking if they wanted to buy a ticket uh, can they and what would the protocol be? Yes, it's still not too late, there is room I actually was on the phone with someone this
3: morning who was actually looking for help for men so I was able to tell them about the conference and uh, that they should really go uh, there is, the Saturday is for men only which is wonderful because it's, it's Definitely, um, the topics are very difficult, but it's a safe place. Um, and it's for clinicians. It's for family members on the Thursday and Friday. It's very informative. Everyone who's been to any of these conferences says it's life-changing. And, and um, we have amazing speakers and experts in the field. It's just fantastic. I I've, I've, was so happy to be able to offer this solution to the person who was looking for help this morning. Because they were saying over and over again, there isn't a lot of help for men out there. So we're very excited about this weekend. If you are, or know, if you have someone in your family that is, has, you know, a, a, a male survivor of sexual abuse, this is a really important conference to go to. It helps you learn about it and understand and to heal. That's why it's called Healing Journeys.
0: And as Ellen is very fond of saying, you know, you don't even need to interact. You can just be there and, and take it all in and just feel that you're in an environment that is safe and allow you to learn and, and just feel part of something.
3: Absolutely. And for men, a lot of them feel isolated because it's not something you share or talk about. And just to be there and to hear um, other survivors speak because other survivors are scheduled to speak. Um, and uh, it's incredibly um, helpful because it, it, it gives you that permission to, to, um, to be, to feel, well, it, it helps you to feel like you're not alone anymore and that, you know, other people have received help and that you can too, that there is hope.
1: So, Helena, um, you're, you guys are still also doing renovations at your new digs there. Um, what do you still need from people from the community or how can anybody help?
3: Well, we could always use financial donations, but, um, uh, and any, our ongoing, as far as the renovations go, we're almost finished. I'm so excited about that. We're having um, a workshop in our newly renovated facility tonight, actually, and um, we will be starting our women's program in a couple weeks because our renovations will be done by then. So we're excited, but ongoing, if people have um, new or gently used clothing or furniture um, and housewares, we always could use that um, because of the women that come in every week through our um, Delivering Hope program and our Delivering Hope Day, Uh, We have an incredible amount of product that we uh, distribute through our warehouse, and just thousands of items go out every week, so we could always use some of that. But as far as the renovations go, we have had an incredible amount of help over the summer through various companies and just individual volunteers, and we've been painting and (laughs) drywalling, and and it's incredible. The, The new facility is better than ever and people are going to be blown away and just even get a better a better program out of it because of that.
0: I I hear your pride about the expansion and what a great place it is. But wow, you know, it's just it's just it would be so nice if, if you could at some point in the future scale your services down. Wouldn't it be nice to think about that? But in the meantime, you're doing such an amazing job. You have such an incredible facility. And it's nice to hear that people are stepping up uh, to, to really support the good work that you do. And, and again, just getting the awareness out there, because as you said, so many men suffer in silence.
3: It's true, and and it feels great. I mean, you're right, you're absolutely right. We wish we didn't have to offer this service, and we wish we didn't have so many calls, and we wish the need wasn't so great. But we are so glad to be able to offer um, a possible solution to these people who are, so many are just on the point of giving up because they've looked everywhere, or um, they always seem to run into some sort of snag. And we're happy to, you know, our system's pretty simple, and we're connected to a, amazing resources that we can point people to. So, I, I am—I guess—I am proud of that, of, of what we're doing and the people that we're helping. Uh, we get a lot of great testimonies um, and thank you cards from people who have felt changed, even from something simple as receiving—you know—brand new bedding because they they had nothing, and um, it's hard to sleep a night when you have no idea what you're going to do or where, where your needs are going to come from. So we like to offer a little bit of peace of mind just at that very basic level, but obviously we offer a whole lot more than that too.
1: Amen. Um, folks, the cold season is coming, well, actually cold literally, cold mm-hmm. outside, not to mention even <laughs> as I said the cold season, cold and flu season. So there's a lot of people out there that will be in need that will need your help. So please don't let anybody go through winter uh, without the basic necessities and shelter for life. Get out there. Please help the Center for Abuse Awareness. They're doing a tremendous and awesome job to the community. So visit their site at abusehurts.ca. Thank you so much, Helena, for joining us. And uh, we'll have you guys back on next week as per usual, and I'm guessing it'll be Ellen. Yes.
0: Thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. And don't forget, the conference starts Thursday, so go to abusehertz.ca to get all the details and buy tickets. I'm sure they can uh, find some room for you. More Matters of the Mind just around the corner. Stay with us.
1: of the mind where everything on your mind matters to us and which mattered most to us today is living your dreams whether you be male female whatever your goals or dreams are Definitely never cut yourself short. And also get out there, folks, and help those in need. Even though Thanksgiving has passed, Christmas is coming, and there's a lot of folks out there that need your help each and every time. So please reach out to the Center for Abuse Awareness. That's abusehurts.com. And join us next week. We're gonna have a fun and spooky show. As it is Halloween week, so. We're going to have a really cool special guest, possibly somebody mentioned, Paranormal Survivor, members from that show, the hit TV series that is now being seen worldwide.
0: Wow. I'm excited. I mean, I love Halloween, but some of it freaks me out. I'm not a big horror film fan, so it's not going to be too scary, is it? I mean, I'll be able to host co-host the show with you?
1: Oh, absolutely, Todd. I think the, the scariest thing with a show oftentimes uh like that as they also told me is when people hear that the shows themselves filming are not as scary as you think uh they're more fun and everybody's laughing and if you ever see the bloopers it's not that scary
0: yeah well i may treat uh, our fans to our bloopers when halloween we'll have to see
1: And yeah, and if everybody is down the Niagara region this year, I am giving out Welch's peanut butter and jelly drops. You can only get them in the States. They're awesome. And I've got boxes of them, and I am just indulging in them, folks. So make sure you come out my way, and you're going to have some fun.
0: Get there before Halloween, because there may not be any left.
1: You got it. See you next week, guys.
0: I'm giving it rocks so don't come my way you're listening to Matters of the Mind we'll see you right back here next Wednesday at 8pm you've been listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco get in touch with him on his website petersacco.com or find his contact page on Listen Up at talk-radio.ca find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash listenuptalkradio on Twitter at listenuptalk thanks for listening and sharing Sharing our posts. We'll catch you next week.